This is Arthur from Mad Unreal. Uh, a quick program note before this episode. You're going to hear some fan noise uh, on my uh, mic. And once I realized that uh, fan was running, I shut it off. Uh, but I wanted to give a heads up that it's me and not you. So, hope you enjoy this episode. Mad Unreal. This is Arthur. That is Isaac. Did you see that in Yokohama, Japan... Mm. Hell yeah. The Gundam factory created a 60-foot Gundam robot at the Yamashita Pier. They had a they videotaped a test of this robot basically doing taking a knee. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching it. I just, I just pulled it up again right now. Yeah. And it's supposed to be uh, the testing, the the whole purpose to build the robot, you know, and test it is to be part of an, an you know, an exhibition. Um, but I don't know, man. I kind of think, I kind of think they got two of these. They got one on the low somewhere. <laughs> and how tall, how tall did you say this thing is? This thing is 60 feet, man. Yeah. It kind of looks like, it looks a little bit like Voltron. Um, yeah. In the face, a little bit, but I, you know, yeah, yeah. It's between sixty and sixty-five feet, it, it's 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 measured at nineteen point seven meters, mm-hmm. and I can't help but think of, think of uh, the movie Contact with Jamie. Mm-hmm. I mean, with um, uh, Jody Foster and uh, Jody Foster, where, mm-hmm. <laughs> where they had a second rocket, and nobody right? Knew nobody knew about, about it. Yeah, <laughs> this is. I mean, this this. This is, I mean, this is another, like I said, I think I replied to you. I said, this is another reason we should be living in Japan. This is just so cool. <laughs> this, and all, they would only do this over there. You know, this is like, who, who, who would do this? Yeah. 60 stories. This thing is functioning. Yeah, so, man. I mean, you know, how long are we, how far is Robotech? You know, how far are we away from the having jets that just transform into um, these type of gun, Gundam type, you know, robots uh i'm sorry okay i gotta put this down i watched this video now i'm like just watching it on the loop we got a show to record yeah my my imagination is just running wild it's like man i just i there's so many use cases for this yeah i don't know if i retweet i'm retweeting this right now just because i didn't do it before all right oh before we start the show one more thing um just in this this episode is not about this but kind of it kind of sort of is about this marvel just pushed back a whole slate of shit you know last last week and this is something you and i've been talking about a lot and just i'm gonna read this paragraph from cbr real quick um from cbr.com they're opening a paragraph when they talked about this um as a result of the ongoing coronavirus pandemic marvel studios and disney have delayed the release of several mcu films Mm -hmm. this is the result of having to once again delay black widow which has created a domino effect for the various films in Marvel Studios Phase 4. So you and I did a show, I don't know how many episodes ago, about, you know, that domino effect and the fact that right. kind of the, the the blessing and the curse of this, you know, in-universe um, uh, storytelling where everything depends upon something else. And I think that for both you and I, we kind of voted like how much, you know, we voted in favor of that type of storytelling and the benefits of that and especially if you look at, you know, the first 10 years of the MCU culminating in uh, Endgame, 
and that you know i don't think either one of us would say you know we don't like that type of storytelling we do like that type of storytelling but here here we are right now dealing with the the negative of that they can't get to any of these other things until black widow is released you know because something happens even though black widow is a prequel something happens either in that prequel in the um end credit scene something that is going to impact all these films so just moving forward really quickly Black Widow gets pushed to May 7th of 2021. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Ring of Ten Rings gets pushed to July 9th of 2021. So they're coming pretty much back to back almost. Um, Eternals, which was supposed to be out, I believe, next month, either October or November of this year, has been pushed back a full year to November 5th of 2021. Um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Disney Plus, we're in Disney Plus territory now. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, What If are all coming in 2021. Falcon and the Winter Soldier is supposed to be dropped, you know, now. Um, and I think, let me see, does it say anything about Wand Division? Thor. No, I thought one. I thought Wand Division was still on track. I think Wand Division is the only one we're going to get this year. Um, the only Disney Plus show. Mm-hmm. So evidently, and that. Well, hold on. Let me let me finish really quickly. Yeah. Thor: Love and Thunder, February eleventh, twenty twenty two. Doctor Strange, which I spoke, I think was supposed to be twenty twenty one, gets pushed back a year to March twenty fifth, twenty twenty two. Back in Disney Plus territory, Hawkeye, Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, She Hawk, to be determined. TBD. We don't even know. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think WandaVision I think is going to be the only one we get this year and I think Arthur that may be because you've seen the trailers right have you seen the most recent WandaVision trailer I think it came out like um, a week ago no I did not um, very, very it's, it's even more it kind of doubles down on what they the kind of the sneak peek that we had before where it was like wow this is going to be really different than anything we've seen before it just looked really bizarre it kind of doubled down on that but it also gave us um, a little bit of you know, a little bit more of what you expect to see. Like some some scenes were like, mm, this is going to impact what's going on in the MCU now. It's not just going to be some, you know, weird type of show that happens in Wanda's head or something like that. But, you know, uh, there's a scene, I believe, with Vision. I forgot who he's talking to, but he says something and they say, well, you're dead. You know, so it gives us, it puts us in the now. You know, he got killed in, 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 uh, in Infinity War. So... Mm-hmm. It puts us in the now, but it still is like this bizarre kind of, you know, it seems like a fantasy almost like maybe is this happening in real time or is this something that Wanda herself is like creating? I don't know. But to me, I think that may be the reason why we're getting that show ahead of Black Widow, because it's probably not as impacted by Black Widow as the other, you know, as Falcon and Winter Soldier and some of these other yeah. ones are. Um, but again, I just bring that up because it's like this is the this is the real world consequence of that type of you know, um, sequential storytelling that we're getting, you know, with the MCU. So let me ask you your opinion, because Disney, like pretty much any, every other studio Mm -hmm. has kept these timelines fluid, no matter, no matter how much they've been, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know, the only Christopher Nolan and Tennant, being the the most rabid of we're going to release this in theaters. That's been the only one, even even as it's shifted its timeline, mm-hmm. to say that we're going to come out in the theater and the movie comes out in theaters. Right, because Wonder Woman got think, shifted as well. You're right. Yeah, go ahead. Do you think that Disney will say, you know what? Forget it. 
we're putting Black Widow on Disney Plus so that we can because a lot of what's getting held up mm-hmm. there is there are theater films but a lot of what's getting held up it's is Disney supposed Plus, to be content right? on Disney Plus right. right I think that'll happen you know and we I think we we talked about this a show or two ago in terms of Milan apparently did fairly well um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so that bodes well for them you know, but I think that will happen if come because May 2021 is what eight months from now. Yeah. Um, if we aren't if we aren't in the clear by that point, as far as people feeling comfortable going back to theaters, I think that's when they throw in the hat. You know, they didn't delay it to January or February. They pushed it to May, and I think that was a save for them. Okay, listen, this is the final one. If we can't, because it's a this a, that's a year after it was supposed to be out. So, right. and you remember the other changes that they made were kind of incre- incremental you know they pushed mm-hmm. it you know two months three months mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now for them to push it c- clear out of the holiday season we're not even going to try to compete we're not going to be in the theater bump it push it all the way to spring slash summer of 2021 i feel like that's their last straw if it's, if this doesn't work it's going to debut on the streaming service because like we yeah. said um when we when we talked about this before they can't hold up the train that long you know, it's like mm-hmm. we, we're going to have to take a big L, you know, we've got to take a big L and just and look at this holistically. We got to get these other properties moving. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I'm hopeful that, you know, we will be able to see that movie in a theater. You know what I will say, though, is because um, even to answer my own question, you know, I don't know. But, you know, I think that they would be like I, I think I really do think that somewhere in Disney, either mm-hmm. in a, either in, a, you know, a windowless room or you know a boardroom mm-hmm. they're talk they've got a plan for disney plus what that yeah. could look like you yeah know, I, I mean a, my, a risk my scenario thing, as far as what they what they could potentially lose right i mean my thing with the some money better than no money is that i don't believe that if you're just talking about one film like if it was like you know listen we need mm-hmm. to make 900 million in order to actually be profitable but we'll just take 200 million because some money is better. No, no, no. Not when you're dealing with one film because that's too much. You're leaving too much money on the table. But when you're talking about, again, a film that has serious implications for five that's films. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's you know what I'm saying. saying. That's, yeah. that's what I'm like. That's when I'm with you. Like, okay, yeah. Then I could see them taking a loss on Black Widow simply because you have to, you have to look at the bigger picture. And, okay, we mm-hmm. need to get, you know, we have to worry about five other films that we can't keep pushing and pushing and pushing. So, yeah, I, I agree with you if we're talking about multiple films. And, and something else, too. I mean, this wouldn't... If this was an Avengers film, like, if this was if this was Endgame, <laughs> you know what I mean? They would be like, we're standing with Chris Nolan. This is definitely coming out in the theaters. Yeah. Uh, you no know doubt what? about it. Man. We'll hold up whatever we got to hold up. I'm glad you said that because I've thought about that. What if this, okay, if the, what if the virus hits? Because the end game hit the theaters, I think, in, what was that, May 2019, I believe? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, the buildup for Endgame was just unlike any other, you know, movie ever. And that's why it, it became the most profitable movie in history. So, or the, the um, made the most money, I should say. So, if this, if the virus hits in March of 2019, you know, I could see them maybe delaying once. You know, maybe they push it to August, you know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but I think you're right, man. I think that, at, you know, if if this was if, if Endgame was coming out in August of 2020, I think it would have came out 
And they'd be like, fuck it. We motherfuckers going to just go to the theaters. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's and right. People would have right. went. It, right. <laughs> if not, push the date up. If not, you know what? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Right. Sunday. Let's go. Tomorrow. Right. <laughs> it's Sunday. That's when let's the game go. is dropping. Right. Y'all better get your tickets. And people would have bought them. You know what I'm saying? And been up in there in hazmat suits watching that movie. You know, right? Marvel. Right. I mean, I mean, they've they've got to have thought you know a million times by now. Wow, we really dodged a bullet by one year, just by one year. That had messed all our shit up. It sure would have, when It sure would have. So all all that okay. is related to today. So let's let's jump into uh, today's show. This is gonna be fun. All right, this is Mad Unreal episode twenty seven. Let's go. <laughs> My savior for the unreal fall <laughs> in, in winter. I can just see like Princess Leia telling Mando, "Help me, Mando. You're right. you're our only hope. Right. Help help me, John Favreau. <laughs> you're my only you're, hope. You're, you're, you're my only hope. Save us from a winter of not having shit to look forward to. <laughs> Do so. Season two of the Mandalorian uh, is on track. Um, what's our release date? Do we have Oct- October? Me, October thirtieth. Um, what's the yeah, Friday? Yeah. Okay. What's the Friday? Um, Is it October? Yeah, October thirtieth. That's the Friday. Yeah. Uh, we do have a trailer that is we forgot to kind watch. Of, remember we said we we're gonna watch it before we just said we we're gonna watch oh, it damn. before and we forgot <laughs> so now we got to pause the show and watch it because you know we gotta see it but yeah we gotta watch the trailer again um let me ask you before we get to that though let me ask you this just speaking of the return of the mandalorian last fall you i think you 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 waited because it dropped thursday nights like i think they would release it like you know like one o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning you know, mm-hmm. Eastern time or whatever, 12 o'clock central on a Thursday night. And you waited to the weekend, though, right? Like you would watch it. Well, yeah, because didn't it wait, didn't it coincide with the launch of Disney Plus? Yes. Yes. That was That's why big, I waited. Yes. OK, because there were, because there were a lot of issues with connections and and right for the first all, episode. I just waited. I just waited for the dust to clear on the on the hype. Right. But throughout the season, the first season of Mandalorian, your habit was to watch it over the weekend. Right. Oh yeah, that's right. And you you would watch it on the big screen, right? I would. Okay. I'd watch so, it on the big screen. Because for me, what typically and just is, this is kind of an aside, but when it comes to like major television shows or films, I always prefer to watch them for the first time, at least. Maybe even for you know, um, mm-hmm. and for uh, uh, multiple viewings on the big screen. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. On the, in the living room on the big screen. But with Mando, I developed kind of a, a, a tradition where because um, once I found out they were releasing them late at night, I think maybe the first it's probably the first episode. I remember I woke up early the Friday morning and I was like, because the hype was so big. You remember the hype was yeah. just so much because, yeah. you know, like you just said, Disney Plus, it was the launch of Disney Plus. This was the first, um, you know, Star Wars television series. Mm-hmm. The hype was so much. And I would wake up. Uh, you know, it, I don't know, a half hour earlier than I would usually get up, grab my phone and I would watch the episodes on my phone. And I never, you know, I never watch anything for the first time on the phone, um, especially something I consider cinematic and, you know, beautiful. And yeah. I want to see it on the big screen, but I just got in the habit. So it was it, it kind of created when I thought back to it, when we were, you know, about when we were prepping for this show, it kind of created a nice, warm 
nostalgia, you know, type mm-hmm. memory for me of last fall, you know, before, before, you know, not to be, or to be blunt about it before COVID hit, you know, when, when things were quote unquote normal, um, it was kind of like a good memory for me of every Friday for, you know, eight weeks or whatever, waking up early, you know what I'm saying? Grabbing the, <clears throat> excuse me, grabbing my phone and um, watching uh, Mando, you know, and it was a new episode. Where, and so yeah, I'm looking, I'm kind of looking forward to that again. You know, that's again, you know, this episode, we're talking about the Mandalorian being our only hope that added to that because it's like, yeah, now there's something to be excited about. And that tradition, that feeling that I had last fall, I'm looking forward to, to, to going back to that. So I'm sorry. I interrupted though. Um, I no, interrupted it's okay. Your, the, the well, um, let's, uh, well, all I really wanted to say was um, part of the reason, a big part of the reason that I would always watch it on the big screen and always sort of always wait till like Friday night mm-hmm. was because my whole family wanted to watch it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it became an event for you know for all of us and that and that also makes it really nice and there's yeah as long as it's an event i mean yeah it's just a different it was an event for me in that way and it was an event for you that way and in your way so i think that idea of having an event and i was you know every week it was just great that they didn't release all eight episodes at once you got to look forward to that event every week so that's something to look forward to all right, so we're going to pause. You want to pause, and we're going to watch the season two trailer and then come back and talk to you guys about it. Um, and if you guys had, listen, if you guys want to pause the show and watch the season two trailer, I'm sure you've already seen it by now, but if you haven't, do that and then come back to us and we will talk about it. That looks good. <laughs> that looks. Like was, entertaining television. What was the first thing you noticed? The first thing that you that hit you? Um, this probably doesn't. This probably isn't the answer you're looking for. But every time I see the Lucasfilm Limited logo mm-hmm. fade in mm-hmm. and then fade out, you know, I know, I know something's coming. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. The first thing that but hit me f- was oh I'm sorry go ahead that wasn't no, it oh no no you go ahead oh, that, no no that really wasn't that it. Was it was it. just okay. that 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 tingle <laughs> yeah 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 the first the, I feel that too but I also the music man and mm-hmm. I don't know if that was a cue from season one or if that's something new that Gorenson did but that ding, ding, you know what I'm saying just that very it's it's interesting because it's only been one season but there's already a very distinctive sound for this show. You know, mm-hmm. it's, and and maybe it's you know it got backed up for me when I watched the um, Disney Gallery, you know, and it did the behind the scenes and it showed Gorenson and how you know how he came up with these you know with the, with the sound for the show and the mm-hmm. orchestra and all those things. Um, uh-huh. But there's a very distinctive sound for this show, and so when I heard that in the first you know one or two seconds, it was like, oh shit, here we go. Um, and then the first voice we hear is the armor. You know, the armor, you know, show me this. And that's that's a line from season one. Show me, you know, I forgot. I'm I'm so I was so hyped. I just I now forgot exactly what she said. But paraphrasing, show me the one who, you know, all this this destruction was about. In other words, Mm -hmm. what was all the fuss about? You know, Mm -hmm. and this the child. So, okay, so overall. So overall thoughts um, before we dive into our 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 uh, before we actually dive into the trailer, let's talk about season one. Let's let's look back at season one really quickly, and then we'll come back to the trailer for season two. Yeah. 
Um, okay. And so, yeah, we should say how we're going to do this preview. Or actually, you know what? We should say that the reason that we're doing this show, uh, which we titled, you know, Why the Mandalorian is Our Only Hope, is because of what we talked about in the cold opening, the constant delays with, you know, movies throughout this year, with with the exception of, like, Arthur brought up Tenet, with the exception of Tenet, uh, which neither one of us have seen. Why haven't we seen it, Arthur? Because it's... In the theaters. theaters. (laughs) So neither one of us has seen it yet because it's actually in the theater. the theater is not far from where I live. I mean, the theater is not far at all. Could you walk there? Do they walk? Um, If they don't walk, if nobody walks in Phoenix. Well, I mean, I could walk there kind of like in in chapter two where where Mando's walking back to the (laughs) ship. Walking walking across the desert. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'd get there. The the sun would still be up. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. But um, yeah, so we haven't seen this this movie because it's in the theaters. But with the exception of Tenet, we've just had delay after delay after delay. And so the Mandalorian is like this this ray of hope. You know, this is the thing that's going to happen. Um, and so, yes, it's, it's, it's our only hope for, you know, for unreal fans and absolutely, of course, for star Wars fans, um, specifically. So to celebrate that, you know, we're going to preview the new season. Um, but first we're going to look back on season one. So, and we're going to ask a bunch of questions and Arthur and I are both going to answer them throughout the show. So first question, Arthur, what was your favorite episode of season one? That was... That was that was actually kind of hard, but but um, the winner for me is Chapter Seven, The Reckoning, uh, mm. directed by Deborah Chow, uh, story by John Favreau, um, and it is the penultimate episode of season one where we are introduced to Grief Karga. No, no, you we are introduced to ah, see where you, we're in. See, oh, so you, <laughs> so they all look alike, Arthur. Right, all the black people in Star Wars look alike because oh, it's one grief, old black man for another old black. And then man. Lando comes down in a Tie Fighter. <laughs> right. When Lando Calrissian shows up in Episode Seven, that was, that shit was crazy. Um, yeah, so you're talking about Moff Gideon. Chapter seven, the I reckoning. Take, don't, don't try to rephrase it because we're not taking that I, out. We're not I'm rephrasing that out. it. <laughs> we're not editing that out. That's staying in. So, listeners, if you you're, you're hearing if you're hearing this, I won because we kept it in. So, I'm sorry. Go ahead, the Moff Gideon. Well, you know, I mean, really, the we're introduced to Moff Gideon, and it's the coldest introduction of anybody in Star Wars for me. Mm. Um, but. I really was excited about that episode because, well, first I was I was always anticipating uh, Giancarlo Esposito. How how who was he? How was he brought in? Because there were rumors that he was um, uh, of the Empire, um, but we hadn't seen him yet. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was building up for me. And also, the reckoning was the first chapter that got back to the main storyline that was introduced in right. uh the first three chapters right and then we kind of took this like adventure break between four or five and six yeah mm-hmm. um so to have Giancarlo Esposito uh and Carl Weathers in this you know and just in the same episode mm-hmm. interacting at in some form mm-hmm. you know it was just in a Star Wars film that was just two black people at the same time in a Star Wars film? <laughs> right. I don't think that ever happened. Not unless you count Lando and James Earl Jones's voice. <laughs> right. Know? Not, unless you, not <laughs> right. unless you count a voice. Yeah, it's rare. 
Yeah. Um, I'm with you though, because Moff Gideon, when he arrives at the end of that episode, I think, you know, there's so much about, if you go back in your mind to the original trilogy and when you were a little kid, the empire did seem scary. You know what I'm saying? The empire, especially Vader, the emperor, they had, you know, they just had a certain amount of, um, like you said, gravitas and, you know, they can instill fear in our little kid brains, you know, but as you get older, I think sometimes, you know, there's a little bit of, um, you lose, you just lose a little bit of that, you know, for, mm-hmm. for the empire, as you get older, you like, you still love Vader, you know, blah, blah, blah. But y- you almost think they're cooler than they are fearsome. But something about when, when Gene Carlos shows up at the end of the episode, I was like, he made me uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? It was like, this guy yeah, seems like yeah. he, you know, he will mur- He's not, he's a murderer. You know, he's a straight up murderer. And he had a, you know, that level of, um, that threat. And, you know, the fact that he capped, he capped the old man, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 uh, what's my Warner Herzog's character, um, immediately, you know, just, you know, shot up the whole place. And he just had a certain element of, um, of a threat level to him that really was a visceral kind of brought brought the empire back to a visceral place, even though at this point in the, the narrative, of course, the empire doesn't even exist really. Um, yeah. he brought it back and I was like, wow, that was, that was, I'm with you. That was a great intro for him. So that's your favorite. Okay. So chapter, that was chapter seven. Um, what was the name of that episode? The reckoning, the reckoning. Okay. Yeah. And Deborah child. I mean, you, we can't mention her without saying she also directed, I think it was episode three. Um, mm-hmm. the sin, the sin. Yeah. And so she really, and she's supposed to be the director of, uh, the Obi-Wan series. If it ever, if we ever get that, um, I think mm-hmm. she's directing, I, I don't I think she may be directing all of those episodes. All right. So, you know, I, I wonder if from, from a production standpoint, if, she, if those two chapters were done, you know, back to back or at least, you know, concurrently because she sets it up, she sets, she sets up the scenario in chapter three and then continues mm. her own her own storytelling right so they are kind three of a episodes book later four episodes later yeah, yeah. that would be interesting so okay so mine and i've said this i think i've talked about this before on the show but so it's probably no surprise to anybody who's listening um episode two which is <laughs> chapter two the two child fingers. right 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 the child um and this episode i i've again i'm re, re- repeating myself but I, my feelings haven't changed after watching the entire episode i mean the entire series mm-hmm. um it was more like a like a visual poem you know this is story you know it was written by favreau directed by rick famayua it was rick's um i think it was his television i don't think he'd ever done a television show before um but it just you know, there's no dialogue for, I think, the first 10 minutes or something like that. You don't get any actual dialogue until Mando, um, you know, goes and visits Quill um, and tries to, you know, f- get Quill's help to figure out what happened to his ship mm-hmm. or to deal mm-hmm. with the Jawas. And um, it was just it was just beautifully paced uh, visually. It was gorgeous. Um, and there was humor, you know, we got the, we got the return of the Jawas, you know, we hadn't seen them in so, so long. They came back. Um, they were hilarious. There was, uh, we'll get to it in a moment, but you know, had an incredible scene, which we'll talk about. I'll talk about in a moment on the next question. Um, to me, which is one of the most incredible in the entire series, um, so far and, uh, the music, everything, you know, I feel like the show, cause we had the first episode directed by Filoni, which I think everybody was like, okay, 
this is going to be dope. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There was some fl- there were some issues with that episode, but overall, this is going to be dope. And then, of course, at the end of the episode was the big reveal, you know, of the child mm-hmm. in episode one, mm-hmm. which nobody was expecting. You know, we had no idea. And so here we get an episode called The Child and now we're into the show and we get to me, which is one of, you know, which is the best episode of the entire series of the season. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be my pick. Did you oh, so how, how did you feel about that episode? I thought uh, the cinematography was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, even some of the detail of and we learned more about how they got some of these effects with the um with the behind the scenes series that right. they did in mm-hmm. the spring gallery yeah. um where you could see as um as uh Din Djarin and the child were coming through that canyon walking back to mm-hmm. uh his ship um you saw the bounty hunters that were looking for him reflected through yeah, that was his helmet that as was they so were dope. That was jumping so dope. across right. the t- you know the upper rock of the canyon mm-hmm. um the, the 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 what we know now is a digital landscape, but the landscape, the vistas of the desert, mm-hmm. um, and also the um, the nods to uh, samurai culture with the the attack of the mudhorn, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, because there wasn't a lot of dialogue in that episode no. either, if I remember correctly. No, like I so said, they waited this, for for the dialogue. You waited almost ten minutes for any dialogue, and then even when it came. Um, it was sparse through that episode. In the Mudhorn battle, obviously, there was no dialogue again. Yeah. And there was that great moment when the uh, Mandalorian basically, you know, realizes, okay, I'm about to die. You know, this is, you know, this is it. And he pulls out his, I forgot the name of the blade, the Mandalorian blade that kind of shivers. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he holds it out in front of him, bows his head, and he's preparing himself for death. And I just thought that was just that told me a lot about Mandalorian culture, you know, and again, like you said, it was it was a, it was clear not samurai culture, um, mm-hmm. but it was it told me a lot about Mandalorian culture just within that one moment. And we get a lot of that in this episode, like little hints of his of mm-hmm. his beliefs, um, you know, when the, the Jawas demand, you know, they say, OK, we'll give you your your ship back, your the, the stuff we stole off your ship if you give us your armor. Um, or your guns or whatever. And he says, you know, uh, or they say, put down your guns, you know, and he says, well, I'm a Mandalorian guns are part of, you know, weapons are part of my religion. And then Mm -hmm. they say, well, we'll, you know, we'll take the armor. And then Quill says, well, he's a Mandalorian. He can't give you his armor, you know? So it's like, Mm -hmm. we get little hints and not, you know, just little pieces of what, what is going on with Mandalorian culture at that moment. Um, So, yeah, I just, that, that, that episode blew me away. And we also see the manifestation of the child's power Mm -hmm. at that age. Right. Where right. he has his uh, his his Maurice White moment <laughs> when he's saving Mandalorian, Mandalorian right. from the Medhorn, right? Which, he's in the Force. Which brings us to the next question. Then what? And I'll answer it for. I answer this one first because you just did it for me. What's the? What was your favorite moment of season one? <laughs> My favorite moment is absolutely when the Force, when the child uses the Force, mm-hmm. because at that point, and this is again in, in episode two, um, the child. Um, Mando versus the the Mudhorn and Mando has prepared himself for death and then you see the child's hand go up and the music starts you know um, and we get a little we get a little drop of the force theme yeah and it you know it did take me by surprise although kind of in the back of my mind I think subconsciously I don't know about you but 
something was in my back, the back of my mind that was kind of preparing me for that. Like, I wonder if this motherfucker's about to use the force, you know, at some point, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it still was kind of a surprise, you know, when he did it. And it was, it was, it was emotional, man. The music just, the music did a lot of work in that, that scene, but also for me and this, you know, I said this on the show before and I I mean it it's it's, I don't mean this as a slight against, um, you know, the sequel trilogy against uh, Mm -hmm. the force awakens Mm -hmm. or um uh the last jedi or uh rise of skywalker because i know a lot of people love those films but for me one thing that happened when i left uh the theater after seeing rise of skywalker even though you know i really did not like that film i left that theater feeling like okay I can kind of like segment or kind of like, you know, section off my Star Wars fandom. In other words, I don't mm-hmm. need to love all of it. You know what I'm saying? There's like, I can, yeah. like, I can like this part, I can like this part, whatever, whatever. Part of what helped me do that was that in this episode, when the child raises his hand like that, for me, that's when The Force Awakened. You know what I'm saying? Even though the movie had come out, you know, what years before that, I didn't uh-huh. feel it when, you know, that movie came out. I thought, you know, it's like, it, that wasn't the the awakening of the force. That wasn't the revival of Star Wars for me. The revival happened when the child did this. And it was like, holy, it was like, it brought me back to, you know, being a kid and watching the original trilogy. Um, his moment of it's using the force. Yeah, his moment of using the force. It did that for me. And it was, it was really, uh, I thought it was beautifully handled. Um, it came at a moment when for fans, you know, I think it was, it was definitely fan service, but at the same time, it fit within the story because that's, the bonding between Mando and the child happens right there. He saved Mando's life. Um, he saved Mando's yeah. life and they were bonded at that moment and it pays it off really again in the, in the eighth episode. But here I just thought everything about that moment was beautiful. So that, that's my favorite moment of, of season one. That episode gave me visions of the film Shogun Assassin. Mm. Just that inherent protection like you're talking about bonding you know lone wolf and cub yeah and the thing is they haven't spent a whole lot of time together no that yeah i'm glad you said that i hadn't thought about that part but that's true and then also i think what was cool was the fact that moments later in the show when quill asked him like you know tell me again what happened you know Mm -hmm. and i've heard of these things right mando mando's like i really don't know you know and it's it tells you as the viewer oh this is five years after return of the jedi but the Jedi themselves are still kind of mythical because really the only one that now exists that we mm-hmm. know of really until they show us more is Luke, you know, yeah. and the, you know, and really what happened on, um, you know, the moon of Endor, you know, the death star, or whatever, um, that was, you know, where the showdown mm-hmm. between him and Vader, nobody witnessed that except for the emperor, you know, so it's not yeah. like, it's not like it's, and you know, yeah, now that we know the emperor survived his fall or whatever, but at that point he got thrown down a shaft. So we can presume he wasn't, you know, going around telling people about Luke Skywalker five years That's later. Right. And you would also presume that what people saw in real time was just the destabilization of the empire mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, rumors of how that happened. Mm-hmm. And even if Luke was famous or whatever at that point as a great you know warrior of the the uh the rebellion it was more so as a pilot you know saying it was as as a it wasn't as a jedi mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. 
um, that was interesting to hear Mando say that. Um, and then also it was like, wait a minute, the Mandalorian doesn't know about Jedi. Didn't the Mandalorians fight the Jedi, you know, millennia ago, we got the, you know, the whole clone wars thing, whatever. So that was all interesting. So, all right. What's the next, what's the next one? Um, Ooh, what was your, yeah. What was your favorite? Okay. So we know that just a little background in case you guys listeners did not know Ludwig, is it Ludwig Van Gorenson or Ludwig Gorenson? It's just Ludwig Gorenson. Ludwig Gorenson. Ludwig mm-hmm. Gorenson scored every episode of The Mandalorian. So a lot, you know, a lot of times, typically on TV shows, they'll come up with one, you know, um, theme, and then you know they might score one episode, and then you'll just hear variations of that throughout the rest of the series. But this being Disney Plus, there's only eight episodes. This is Lucasfilm. They got money. They have, you know, they paid Ludwig to score every season, every every single episode had its own score, and they were released on Spotify and I think so, some other platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, so on a weekly basis. So as the episode released, such, such did the corresponding. Yeah, which soundtrack. was also, I mean, that was that was something to anticipate as well because I remember we would talk about them, you know, every week um, as they were released. So that was an, also a nice moment. So I hope they do that again for this season. Um, but what was your what was your favorite episode score of season one? Um, that would be chapter six, the prisoner, mm. which, um, took place on a, um, on a rebel prison ship. Were they rebels? Cause they won, right? What were they called? Uh, yeah, the it Republic? was the new Republic. Yeah. It was a new Republic prison ship. Yeah. yeah. So it was a, a new Republic prison ship. <laughs> you said, were they and... rebels? Yeah. After you win, you're no longer a rebel. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> after you win, you're no longer a terrorist. You are the, yeah. you are the new Republic now. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah. So the prisoner and, uh, so the, the entire episode, well, you know, 80% of the episode takes place on this prison ship because it's, it's the, it's constructed to be a prison break Mm -hmm. that the Mandalorian is involved in. Um, and the, the, the soundtrack, the score, it's like you could listen to the score and it would, it would tell the story for you. Mm. Um, you know, as I was listening to it, of course I heard the music with the, with, with the, with the uh, visual. So that's one thing, but you know, on its own, because I'd listened to all of them. That was the one that really defined some pacing for me. Mm-hmm. And it was also, for me, you know, the most modern of all of the scores done, you know, has a bass to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you, could, um, it, you know, certain certain songs, uh, you know, just, I mean, just really just knocked. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that provided, you know, tension and action and uh, as a as a as a whole it was just a nice it was just a really solid listening experience mm-hmm. i struggle with this soundtrack if, with this score for this episode at first because i remember texting you after i saw the episode and i was like that last i think it was the maybe the last scene let me look i'm looking at the um the sound the score now that was episode that was episode six right that was six yeah um chapter yeah. six so i think but i it told was, you about it i was i told yeah. you that that's the one i think it was mando on the move or a nice family i'm looking at the the the, the cues now mm-hmm. and it, well mando's back which is the last cue was seven minutes long so it may have been that one which has got to be the longest um cue in the in the entire season but um i struggled with it at first because it felt and i told you when i text you it felt more modern to me than some of the mm-hmm. other than some of the mm-hmm. other the score you know it felt like you said it did have some umph to it and it was like i like the the feel of it but i'm like did that fit with the you know with with star wars you know it was it was very different for star wars 
and it took me a minute, but now I have to say, cause I just, I just rewatched that episode the other day, as a matter of fact, to, in prep for the show. And, um, I dig it, you know, I'm with you. Um, I don't, it's not my favorite, but I'm, I'm much more at peace with it, you know, now mm-hmm. than I was when I first heard it. So you like one of the earlier ones? Yeah. So I struggled with this question cause I'm all over the place with the score. Cause I yeah, was like, okay. I was trying to, I was going back in my mind and trying to remember what really stood out to me. And just for an example, in chapter four, mm-hmm. um, the last cue is number eight. Mando says goodbye. And I don't know if you remember this one, but it was a very type of um, it was, you know, basically Mando saying goodbye to the woman that who, you know, he had the chance basically to stay there. And she clearly, you know, was interested in him and he had the chance to actually make a decision, kind of like take um, a, a left turn. What was her yeah. name? I think it was Omer- was Omera. 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 Uh-huh. Right. He could have taken a left turn and, you know, settled down, you know, there. So he was he had made the choice not to do that. Um, so he's saying goodbye to her. And, you know, the babe, the child is, you know, sitting on the um, the the uh, the, uh, the transport. Mm-hmm. And the music cue is just very emotional. It's very it's very Star Warsy, you know, and it builds okay. to a kind of very a climax that feels very much like the original trilogy trilogy music. Um, mm-hmm. So that was one of my favorite cues from the whole series season but i was like okay that episode in and of itself is not one of my favorite you know from the season so i hate excuse me i shouldn't say i hate to do it but i kind of wanted to do something different but i have to say man it's probably for me is chapter one um simply because the the level of difficulty placed in front of gorenson to you know create something that was quote unquote Star Warsy, um, yeah. but was not John Williams. You know, he's mm-hmm. living in John Williams shadow, which is, you know, pressure enough, but yeah. then also bring something in that feels like a Western that feels like to what you like to your point a minute ago, like a homage to samurai movies um, mm-hmm. that speaks to this kind of weird story that we're telling, which is Star Wars, but not Star Wars. New, mm-hmm. It's like new Star Wars. All these things, to me, presented a huge you know, level of difficulty for Gorenson. And when you watch that first episode and Mando steps into that bar and you hear that, you know, that mm-hmm. that first the, the those flute. first few notes, it was like mm-hmm. he did it. You know, it was like, that's mm-hmm. it. You know, and then it's like it's it's indelible from the character and it's it's an indelible part of the character and it's also very memorable like i found myself mm-hmm. after that episode dropped and you told me that the sound that the score was available on spotify you know i listened to it in the car and then i found myself even thinking about it in my mind you know whatever it it just you know the whole you know from mando from um hey mando all the way to uh the Blurg attack to you are a Mandalorian mm-hmm. and the final, the Mandalorian theme at the end, you know, the big mm-hmm. triumphant theme. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's probably set score the, the, or the uh, chapter one is probably my pick for favorite. Yeah. Okay. Um, so final question about season one, uh, Arturius Maximus, do you have any criticisms of season one? It can't be all love. Let's get into, do you have anything negative to say about season one? Uh, yes, I do. Does I should keep it to? We should keep it to one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just oh, you got more. <laughs> you got multiple. I got a few. Damn. Yeah, okay. Not many. You not can many, mention them. We don't have many. to dive deep into them. But you, I, I'm cur- I'm curious now. Like I want to hear them now. So go ahead. What's what's give me? Well, a- I wasn't. 
I didn't, I, I have to admit, I mean, I didn't care for the idea of episodes or chapters four, five, and six where they deviated from the path of the main story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an issue that I have with some seasons of X-Files too because you kind of, you've got me. You've got, I'm, I'm, I'm invested now, chapters one, two, three. I'm fully invested in the Mandalorian shifting from bounty hunter to savior to connecting with the child and 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 uh reliving his own experiences mm-hmm. as a foundling and how the mandalorian saved you know him as a boy right um but i understand chapters four five and six from the standpoint of exposition like you need this character development to learn more about uh who Din Djarin is and um how the bond between him and the child, you know, develops uh, over these three seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's 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 one criticism, and I, I I I expect but hope they don't continue that in in season two. Mm-hmm. Um, let me another, respond. Let me respond to that one before you move on to the next one. I think it's very interesting to me that you bring up the X Files and their cause quote unquote filler episodes is what people called chapters four through six for the you know for the mandalorian season one and a lot mm-hmm. of fans were upset like they, they were like you they were actually more vocal or more vehement about it than you were just now mm-hmm. they were like you know you know upset about the fact that we kind of veered off and did these three kind of like standalone episodes yeah. um although to be fair there is some character development within those episodes like i just mentioned with um chapter four the fact that mando makes that decision not to stay with omira and yeah. you know to continue what he's doing that's definitely a moment of that's important that's yeah. important that's important um we learn more about you know him not taking off his helmet um and then you know chapter 5 which is probably i think universally felt that's probably the worst episode of the season which was you mm-hmm. know um him going after uh well Phoenix Shand right and then one thing that happens in that episode you know you get the walk up at the end who we right. still don't know who that was, you know, um, right. the person who saves, probably saves the, uh, the, the ex empire warrior. I forgot her name, but she, she's probably going to come back. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of though, you know, disappointment in those filler episodes, but it's interesting me you bring up the X-Files because yeah, I, you know, we're both X-Files heads. And I remember, you know, when the X-Files was actually, you know, broadcasting in real time, looking forward to those episodes that would get back to the overall mythology of the show. But at the same time, I loved the standalones because they were so Mm -hmm. well done. Now Mm -hmm. looking back on the X-Files, whenever I go on Hulu or wherever it's at and watch a couple episodes, I actually look for the standalones more than Mm -hmm. I look for the mythology because I don't feel like diving back into this huge mythology. The standalones were so good that Mm -hmm. I watch those now. So I feel like I'm with you. I wasn't entirely in favor of what the Mandalorian did with season one on those three episodes. But I feel like if they, for season two, decide, hey, we're going to have some standalones, they just got to raise their game up. Those standalones have to be excellent episodes. The Clone mm-hmm. Wars had excellent standalone episodes. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they need right. to the, the Man- Mandalorian needs to hit that level because, you know, episode four and five especially i felt didn't you know didn't warrant a full episode six 
maybe that that was a little bit better, you know, when the, with the, like you said, the prison, you know, the prison escape. Um, but yeah, four and five, it just felt like, wow, why, you know, I get it that we're not going to spend the entire season, you know, dealing with the, the big mythology of the story. But at the same time, if you're going to do a standalone, you got to raise your game. And it should also be noted, Arthur, that, you know, the whole point of view of the show was Mandalorian. Like he was in basically mm-hmm. in almost every scene you never got. I think there's only a few times where you got, you know, things happening away from his character. You know, we got to see what was happening, you know, in another part, you know, for the most part, they stayed with him. And so four five and six, we had no idea what was going on with the empire, with Moff Gideon, with mm-hmm. uh, grief cargo. We didn't know what was going on, you know, after he kind of betrayed grief, you know, we didn't know anything. Um, so yeah, but I'm with you. Okay. So move on. What, what you just quickly, I want to, I'm curious to hear your, your other two complaints. Well, I, I didn't like, uh, I mean, I, I liked Fennec. I, I'm kind I'm hoping that she really isn't, you know, dead, but it pretty much looked like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, cause I hate, I hate the waste of good characters. And, um, but as we know, um, you know, from time to time, those char- characters can be uh, um, brought back, mm-hmm. like you know the Clone Wars and even um, you know Rebels with um, the return of um, you know your boy Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that if I had one, and this is actually what I was going to mention, you know, if I if I had one, I guess uh, yeah, problem. It probably would be, um, and damn, I just lost what the hell my problem was. <laughs> just was give me a second. Just give me a second. It was, um, oh, okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. <clears throat> if I had just one issue, and it's probably the one, the biggest issue that I have of them all was at the end of chapter six, The Prisoner, the one that I really like to score for. Mm-hmm. At the very end, uh, Mando leaves everyone alive, mm, yeah. and to me, yeah. that is completely inconsistent with what we had learned about him up to that point. Right. Yeah. And even after, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. agree a hundred percent. And I, I think that that was a moment where I felt, is this some type of Disney? You know, is this some type of Disney thing that you know we couldn't show him? Just it wasn't even murder because it was in self defense, but we couldn't yeah. show him take. Yeah, I, I felt that, especially because that, to me, it would have been a cooler thing for him to go one by one and basically eliminate, you know, these people who have betrayed him. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like, uh, what was the Bruce Lee film? It was a game of death where he went, you know, one by one up up that, up that. Uh, yeah, I think so. Right. Each floor. But shoot, Predator, because that's how some of these shots were. <laughs> he was coming at these people right, like Predator. Right. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, so I'm with you 100 percent. I felt that that was that was a little bit too, it felt forced. It felt like it was forced. Like, you know, let's show that he's not straight up a killer, which he is, you know, he's, he's, you know, that's, he's a Mandalorian, you know, he's not going to leave you alive. He's going to take you out. Um, so I'm with you. Did you have any other, or is that what that was? That no, was, that, was that was really it. Yeah. Okay. So for me, um, any criticism of season one for me, I would say I'm going to mention two. Um, okay. one was the guest stars. Um, mm, I felt that mm-hmm. at some point it started to feel like friends of John Favreau were just showing up on, on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really felt that way when Bill Burr, who is a comedian or something, 
I shouldn't say or something. I don't I want I want to disparage. I've never even seen his comedy, so I'm not going to disparage him like that. But Bill Burr, who is a comedian, um, mm-hmm. I believe he sh- he shows up in the prisoner episode and his character. Um, what was his character's name? Mayfield Mayfeld. Mayfield, yeah. Um, just felt really out of place to me, man. And it felt, I felt immediately like this guy is a, you know, he he felt forced. You know, he felt forced into the episode. He felt forced into the character. He had one line I thought was funny when he says, you know, nice family when uh, uh, the, the Twi'leks, you know, betray each other or, you know, mm-hmm. one of them betrays the other one. He says, you know, nice family. I thought that was a good line. But yeah, for the most Ken, part, it I just... Think. It just felt like, you know, okay, are these like, like John Favreau's crew just showing up and, you know, just because he mm-hmm. got a show now. And it's like, even the Twilight, Twilight, um, I forgot the name of the actress who played the Twilight, but she, I mean, it just, it didn't feel natural. You know, it didn't feel like we, they, they went out on a casting call and really found the best person for the roles. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like, you know, if like, if I had a show and I was like, yo, you know, let me find a part for Jay. You know what I'm saying? Let me find a yeah. part for Shannon. You know, let me let me just get them on. Um, and then, you know, we'll figure it out the rest of it out later. That's how it felt. The, tw- the Twilight with the Twilight was actually played by uh, Natal- Natalia Tenna. Mm-hmm. Um, she appears in several Harry Potter films as mm-hmm. Nymphadora. Mm-hmm. And um, she was also uh, Osha in Game of Thrones. She was the wildling. OK, two two shows. I'm not or one movie and. Uh, one movie series and a television show that I'm not wildly familiar with. So yeah, that, that, that makes sense. That's probably why I didn't get excited about that. Um, but my, you know, my number one criticism and it's not, it's not even really a criticism. I guess it's a disappointment of season one. Hmm. It's kind of to piggyback on what you said a minute ago is, is the death of Quill. You know, I, I Quill is like one of my favorite star Wars characters ever. Um, I, I fell in love with him immediately from yeah. episode one um, you know, I have spoken. He just, I thought he was just a great, great character. And I get yeah. from a storytelling standpoint, you know, you always want to let the story dictate what happens. You don't want to let right. your own personal, you know, so I get why he had to die, but I'm like, you know what? Characters like that are hard to, like you said, they're hard to create. They're hard. You don't come across uh-huh. them too often. I was really hoping that end of season episode seven, when we saw him laying there, I was really hoping that episode eight, he would he'd be greatly wounded or gravely I get, wounded. You know what? I I get it, but but he has Quill's to die. death. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but his death was such. It was so well done mm-hmm. and provided such an emotional weight that really provided some good balance for mm-hmm. the series. I mean, right. by that time, I felt that that uh, Quill was yeah was. To Mandalorian as Mickey was to Rocky. Mm, that's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. Yeah, but Mickey at least got a couple movies, man. He, he didn't die till what Rocky three. You know, he got a couple movies in Quill. He was only what three episodes, I think. It was yeah. It yeah, felt, you right. know what? I mean, it, it, right. it felt it felt it was it was a bad feeling. But I, again, I'm not. That's why I said this is really not a criticism. It's more of a disappointment because. Uh-huh. Um, and spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen The Wire, if you are like one of the few people on Earth who still hasn't seen The Wire, spoiler alert. But it was like when Stringer Bell died, you know, when Stringer Bell got mm-hmm. killed, it was like everybody was like, oh, what? You know, mm-hmm. but if you look at the story, he had to die. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It just went that route, and it was like, that's what has to happen with this character right here. So I get why Quill died, and I, I agree with you. It added a, a huge emotional weight, a lot of balance. Um, I would, I do have kind of like an issue at the end of the episode. You see Mando burying him, um, mm-hmm. and I guess, you know, episode length di- dictates how much time they could spend with that. But I would have liked to have seen Mando take a moment, you know, and just be like something they could have done, something to show how much, you know, Quill meant to him, you know, um, and maybe they'll do that in season two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, yeah, it hurt, man. Cause that was, that was my guy. That was my guy. All right. So let's get into, uh, to season two. So what is the first question? This is the mad unreal preview of season two. So what's, what's the first question? Uh, thoughts, just overall thoughts on the trailer. Mm. Now that, now that um, we've watched it. Won't yeah. you go and kick that off? <laughs> So, I mean, as, as, like we said, you know, a few minutes ago, my first, you know, what hit me first was, of course, the music and um, the armor. Overall, I feel like I feel like it was a great trailer. I feel like it was it was it was it picked up, you know, right where season one ended and it mm-hmm. immediately told us, OK, because it with, with the end of season one, we got kind of like the Mudhorn clan was formed, you know, clan mm-hmm. two, Mando, mm-hmm. the child. Mando is okay. He's given his the, the creed as the armor explains to him. You have to go and find out who this child's people are. You know, who are his people? Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. if until that moment happens or until the child is of age to be out in the world by itself, you are like the child's father, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they form the, the clan of two. So, right, this trailer picks up, it shows you, okay, that's what Mando's out here doing. Um, but then I love the voiceover that you get where the guy's like, this is no place for a child. So it mm-hmm. lets you know immediately mm-hmm. that there's going to be, you know, that they're still out in the wild, you know, this is the wild West and yeah. this is the outer realm. And, you know, yeah, the new Republic exists, but like grief car or not, was a grief cargo? No, it was, it was the Mandalorian himself who kind of like, you know, poo pooed on the new Republic, you know, and mm-hmm. grief was like, why don't you report it to the new Republic? And he was like, Psh, like, that's going to do any good, you know? So, we're still in that atmosphere and probably even the stakes are going to go a little higher because Amanda is probably going to find himself in war on worlds or in places that he's unfamiliar with completely because he's searching for child slash Yoda's race, you know? Um, so I think that the stakes, I think were immediately put on the table and that, you know, that kind of got me excited. What about you? Um, I, yeah, I guess just all of it, really. I, I I have a lot of confidence in this series and uh, the same kind of confidence uh, that I had um, with Rebels, actually. Mm-hmm. And I was late to the party for both Rebels and Clone Wars. Um, mm-hmm. Rebels probably had the biggest impact because I I just expected it to be a show, a Star Wars show geared toward you know tweens um but it it was but it wasn't you know um and i feel the same let me say this qualified i feel the same way about mandalorian not that it's geared not that it's geared toward teens but that it's a show that is for the most part family friendly right Uh, but has some real serious uh, undertones to it 
and has, has it's just really well rounded. Going back mm. to like the death of Quill, for example, you know, to have that mm-hmm. strong emotional balance to it, you know, to that strong, you know, action assassin, um, you know, samurai uh, element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, no, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to see Ahsoka, and I know why we didn't, <laughs> but I mm-hmm. wanted to see Ahsoka because, to me, right now, that's the big gamble for season two. How how does she look? How does she sound? How does you know what I mean? How does she roll? Because the Ahsoka that 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 comes here is post Star Wars Rebels, right? Yeah, and so okay, so for it's not. I think we're on the same page. But one other thing I'll throw into that is that when you get trailers like this, you also want to see some character development or a hint at character development. So it was really cool to see Grief Karga and Cara Dune in that real fast clip of them kind of like walking. You can see Grief mm-hmm. looks a little different, especially. Um, mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. get, okay, what is, you know, it kind of raises your antenna. Like, okay, first of all, they're together. So did they stay on, you know, did they stay on Navarro or whatever together or what's, what's going on? Um, and, you know, you get a kind of a hint at, you know, where is grief at? You know, there was kind of like a toss, kind of a, a forgotten line in season one. If you remember in episode eight, when Moff, Moff Gideon is like breaking each one of them down. So he reveals mm-hmm. that he knows about Cara Dune, you know, Cara mm-hmm. Cynthia Dune. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Din Jarden, you know, he, he reveals all that. But reveals when he gets to grief, yeah. he says the disgraced magistrate, you know, the disgraced magistrate. So why is grief disgraced? You know, what happened? You know, so we may get, you know, some of grief's backstory, you know, in season and if it, two. That's a good point because because I didn't lock into that because disgraced magistrate was was Karga working for the Empire mm. as a magistrate, right? Because right. moths are governors, right? Mm. So they're responsible for territories of the galaxy. So was there some is there some right. history between the two of them? Either you know directly or indirectly, where where Moff Gideon, you know, was you know was two or three layers between him and Karga. I don't know. It'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. That would be that would be interesting. Plus, it also in that scene in Episode Eight, it gave me the sense that Moff Gideon, and this makes him also a little bit more terrible or more um, intimidating. Mm-hmm. He's a cat who does his homework. You know, what I'm saying it's like he. He's not just some dude, you know, going around shooting up the place where he does that, too. You know what I'm saying? Don't mm-hmm. get it twisted. He is capable mm-hmm. of doing that. But at the same time, he is a cat who does his homework, researches his enemies because he knew all about all three of them, um, including grief. So I like yeah. that little hint of that. And, you know, in the trailer. But then lastly, what I also liked in the trailer was um, when Mando says, you know, wherever I go, he goes talking about the child. Yeah. And the guy he's talking to says, so I've heard. And I love that line because it's mm-hmm. like, okay, mm-hmm. word has gotten around, you know what I'm saying? The outer room or wherever about this Mandalorian yeah. and this child. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how much time has passed between season one and season two. I'm guessing not a lot of time, but some of these kind of like quote unquote exploits or whatever you want to call them, people are starting to hear about them. And I'm interested in seeing how that plays into, you know, the Mando's mission of finding the child's people 
um, and whatever else, you know, eluding Moff Gideon, all these other Mm -hmm. things. So Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool. That was a really cool tease um, throwing the trailer. Right. Because we know that Moff Gideon still wants him. But let me just we can't move on. But let me just say this. Because there were so many jump cuts that were in this trailer, you know, it would have been a nice climax Mm -hmm. to even if you didn't hear from her. But if you saw Ahsoka. Mm. I'm. I am. Well, I'm, you know I'm stuck it's, on that. As we record this, yeah. But as we record this, it's you know late September. We got a month before this drops. There may be another trailer. There may be mm-hmm. another trailer. So you may get that. You may get that. Um, okay. Next question. So, what story arc or plot detail from season one would you like to see answered slash resolved in season two? Arthur Turnbull, you go first. Hmm. Um, I think I would, I, I'd actually like to see more about grief carga and, uh, mm. that you just brought up what made him a disgraced magistrate. What was his relationship prior to the fall of the empire? Um, does he have any connection, any former connection to, uh, to Moff Gideon I'm trying to remember if when they were under assault in a, in chapter in chapter uh 7 because if I remember correctly it was Mando that told Cargo who that was and and yeah it and, was Mando yeah 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 he said I Mando said I know who that is yeah know and he, he was the one that yeah. schooled him on on who they were and what his relationship and how 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 Gideon knew who uh, Mando was knew his identity, mm-hmm. so it could still very well be that Cargo was doing things for the Empire, but just didn't know that um, Gideon, you know, was at the top of the food chain on that, mm-hmm. or 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 um, you know some you know somewhere in between because mm-hmm. he because Gideon ran he ran a special squad right. Mando was breaking all this down in in chapter seven. Right. Yeah. Because he ran, I think his, he ran a special squad. I think it had something to do with the fall of Mandalore. You know, I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's, he has something to do with, because, you know, obviously by the end of the episode, we see that he has the dark saber. So we know he has something to do with that. Yeah. So I'm with you though. Grief Karga, I think, you know, because when Grief Karga gets shot in episode three, when Mando shoots him, you know, when it first happens, I'm like, oh, that's it for Carl Weathers. You know, I was like, he's mm-hmm. gone. He's done. Um, but obviously, you know, we learned a few minutes later that um, he had that best guard in his pocket, which, you know, we still don't know if Mando knew that or not. If he if he did, if he, you know, purposely spared his life. Um, but at that point, then I got more interested in Greek. I'm like, they're keeping Carl Weathers around. Um, it wasn't just like, you know, a couple episodes for him, you know, sign up, get his name in there. And then we can promote the fact that we got Carl Weathers on the show. He's right. sticking around for a reason. So I hope to see his story, you know, expounded upon in season two. And also, I think Carl Weathers is, is directing episode in season two. I heard that as oh, well. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I heard that as well. Okay. Um, okay so my the story arc or plot detail I would, from season one, I would like to see answered or resolved in season two is I want to know. Okay. Moff Gideon mentions the night of a thousand tears. Mandalore you know he mentions he tells uh, Din Jarden 
you know, in that scene that you just alluded to and see in episode eight, he lets him know, I know who you are and the songs of Mandalore, so on and so forth. We know that we see, you know, uh, Moff Gideon has the, the dark saber and he mentions the night of a thousand tears on Mandalore, which we are assuming is when, um, the empire just devastated Mandalore. Um, cause at the end of, okay. Cause also clone wars, which just ended earlier this year, Clone Wars season seven gave us a lot more about what happened to Mandalore um, when the Republic turned into the Empire um, and hinted mm-hmm. at it. You know, we saw we saw Darth Maul get ejected from from Mandalore. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets taken prisoner. We see, um, you know, when Order sixty six happens, we see the effect of that. Yeah. Uh, Ahsoka and Rex leave Mandalore. So we're kind of like getting hints of what happened on Mandalore between end of Clone Wars and beginning of the Mandalorian, because it's two different things. Now we're seeing, you know, they have a different creed, you know, they're not taking off their helmets. What the fuck happened? And Mm -hmm. Moff Gideon Mm -hmm. gives us a hint of that with, you know, there was this night of a thousand tears, you know, and something, some really horrible shit went down. So what I would like to see answered resolved in season two, if if not, let me be honest with you, Arthur. I don't know if I want it resolved. You know, I would like to see that story continued. I don't need to get every answer, but I would like to get a lot of the answers to figure out, okay, get more of the puzzle pieces and start putting things together um, so we start to understand what happened on Mandalore, mm-hmm. how Gideon got the Darksaber, and why now are Mandalorians living, you know, in coverts underground, basically, you know, in mm-hmm. these small, you know, clans um, and not taking off their helmets. You know, what what happened? Um, so that's what I would like to see get answered. How, how do you feel about that? Um, I mean, the same, but it doesn't some of that get answered or at least addressed in both Rebels and the Clone Wars? Because um, you learn Wars, about the transference of the Darksaber through through both of those series. Mm-hmm. In the Clone of, Wars, yeah, the Darksaber, we get, well, in Rebels in particular, I think the last time we see the Darksaber is with the Mandalorian people. I think Sabine gives it back to, um, to Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan, right. And so, so it's like, how did that. she, how'd that go? How did Gideon get it? it, is, it did he kill Bo-Katan? You know, what happened? Um, there is a rumor that Bo-Katan is going to be a part of season two Mandalorian. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, that whole transfer of power you know, where is Mandalore now that the Empire has fallen? What's going on with Mandalore? Why are Mandalorians still living in 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 hiding? You know, what's what's going on? And, you know, the whole universe or the whole galaxy knows about Mandalorians because there's right. this certain like respect for them. You right. see that in episode one with Quill um, and his reaction to the Mandalorians. So all of these things, I think, f- from a storytelling standpoint, they're very, very interesting. And you see this kind of broader or wider story being told or formed about Mandalorians, Mandalore and Mandalorian culture. I kind of want to just see some of these things answered in season two. And then again, they can continue some of the storytelling. I don't need the whole thing resolved, but I would definitely like to see some of that answered in season two. All right. What's the next question? So which new character are you most looking forward to seeing in season two? (laughs) This is going to surprise you. This is going to surprise you. I'm telling you. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. I know who you think I'm going to say, but I'm not going to say that person. Okay. The character that I'm most looking forward to seeing in season two 
is Boba Fett. <laughs> now, <laughs> now anybody who's <laughs> anybody who has listened to this show previously, and you know, we've talked about this. Arthur and I've talked about this. Knows that I've kind of disparaged the idea of bringing Boba Fett onto the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Reason being because even though just like everybody who's in my age group and saw the original trilogy um, or at least saw the last two films um, in the theater, you know, collected the, the action figures, you know, read the comic books or whatever. We all like Boba Fett, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Even when he got, you know, taken out, you know, very um, uh, unceremoniously in, uh, in, in Return of the Jedi, we all loved Boba Fett just because he looked cool. You know, even though he really didn't do shit and like, you know, other than other than the fact that he was the one that didn't get fooled by Han's trick of, you know, floating away with the garbage off the Star Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Other than that fact, he really didn't do much in those, you know, two two movies and Empire and Return of the Jedi. Yeah. But there was an infatuation with him. So I kind of disparaged the idea of bringing him on to um, the Mandalorian in previous episodes of this show. Now, the reason why I say this, though, Arthur, why am I most looking forward to him being a part of the show now is not because of the character himself. I still stand by everything I said. Not really mm-hmm. excited about Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Don't really give a damn. Really feel like they need to just, they should have just left him in the Sarlacc pit. He's dead. Let's, let's, I wish Lucas would have said that a while ago. He's dead. You're never going to see him again. You know, mm-hmm. that way they, all these years of people speculating would have never happened. Mm-hmm. But since that wasn't said, and he is, you know, there was all that speculation. And now apparently, if rumor is true, um, maybe even Tamara uh, Morrison, who played Django Fett um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in uh, the the, 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 uh, the prequels, he's rumored to be coming back and or to be coming onto the Mandalorian. He's the one, you know, obviously, if that's true, then it's, he's, he most likely will be playing Boba Fett. But the reason he's my most anticipated, Arthur, is because the story that comes with him, not the character, but the story that comes with him. Because okay. let's look at this for a quick second. Boba Fett, Django Fett in the prequels, correct me if I'm wrong, it was hinted at or even said outright that he stole that armor. He's not a mm-hmm. Mandalorian. He stole mm-hmm. the armor. Mm-hmm. Which means that Boba Fett, who was a clone, not a, mm-hmm. you know, he's not a, he's not a Mandalorian. He's, if anything, he's a Camino, Caminoan or whatever, how you, however you want to say it. Yeah. Um, because he was a clone of Jango Fett and the one that he was the one that Jango Fett wanted to keep and raise as a son. He's not a Mandalorian, but he's worn the Mandalorian armor. The first time we see him in empire, he's wearing Mandalorian armor. Right. So if he comes back now, how does our Mandalorian Jen Darden or, or Din Jarden, how does he regard this cat? You know what I'm saying? It's like, this dude's a bounty hunter. He's known across the galaxy as being one of the baddest bounty hunters out there. He died in the Sarlacc pit, but he's somehow still alive five years later, or yeah, five years later. How does that dynamic work? Um, how does Boba Fett feel about it? You know, if he's, how is, how is he going to, re, you know, interact with the Mandalorian, who is an actual Mandalorian, who is actually trying to stay um, loyal to the creeds? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I guess to me, it brings in the reason why I'm excited is not because of Boba Fett, the character, it just brings in a lot more possibilities for storytelling and a lot more tension, a lot more mm-hmm. conflict. Um, and then notwithstanding the fact also, also, like I said, Boba is a clone, 
you know, how does, you know, can we get into the clone part of this? Does he discover, does he know he's a clone? I don't know. Um, I'm guessing he knows he's a clone. I can't remember those episodes of Clone Wars where they, you know, showed him as a child. But all of these things kind of like throw in just kind of like an extra dash of interest for me. And again, Mandalorian culture and Jen Darden, or excuse me, Din Jarden himself um, and how he views things according to his creed and everything he's been through. So that's why I'm interested in Boba Fett being a part of the show, which I know is a kind of like a not a 180, but very different than what I've said previously. Mm-hmm. I just worry that in the same kind of way that in the same kind of way you feel about how Favreau's friends kept showing up mm-hmm. in season one, that they'll waste time in season two to, quote unquote, fix Boba Fett mm-hmm. to to satisfy the disappointment That's that so point. many fans have on how, you know, this dude who a lot of people thought was just, you know, badder than Vader. <laughs> fell right. in a hole and was eaten by a sandworm. Right. Um, I do think one of those I agree people, with you. One, one of those people being, just quickly, one of those people being John Favreau. You know, he was, because mm-hmm. he wanted to do a Boba Fett show. You know, that mm-hmm. was his original mm-hmm. one. And mm-hmm. then they were mm-hmm. like, nah, and that's still, so he came with The Mandalorian. So, yeah, you're, I'm glad you said that because he's one of those people. So is he going to waste too much time this season, season building, up Man, uh, building up Boba Fett? That's a good point. And and I do agree that it, it does reintroducing Boba does create some interesting conflict. Um, but because he is a clone, we would have to presume he's much older in the same mm, way that yeah. um, Rex um, and the other one's age. That Rex. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. That exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, how Rex is is his older when we see him in uh in the in um rebels Mm -hmm. so i guess i i i have mixed feelings about boba but in a different way than i would think i would have them in other words my mixed feeling isn't that i'm so excited to see boba fett come back you know it's yeah that could be cool but i'm more worried about you know everything that i just said yeah i'm way more more skeptical skeptical. about that yeah and i also don't i don't in terms of the character himself i don't want to see them them meaning favreau or even filoni um out kind of like put the mandalorian put uh din jarden in boba fett's shadow you know what i'm saying i don't Mm -hmm. want to see it they did a really Mm -hmm. good job man in season one once the child was revealed, that became kind of like a, it definitely became an internet phenomenon. It became a cultural thing where people who had no interest in Star Wars were like, oh, this baby Yoda is so cute. It became a big thing. Um, but he, if you look at the rest of those episodes, they did a really good job. The child never out, you know, the child he didn't never outshine, him. outshine yeah. the Mandalorian, you know what I'm saying? Right. It was like a nice right. balance between them. And we, we kept as much interest in the actual Mandalorian as we did, you know, with the child. So I would hate to see Boba Fett come back and it's like, oh, now we're going to you know, have a full episode or even more, you know, so focused on him that mm-hmm. the show kind of like, you know, like to use your term from earlier, it kind of loses its balance. Um, so that's mm-hmm. that's my. But again, bring him onto the show, just bring so much other story that that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in the other story. Yeah. So what's what's yours? What's what's the uh, what new character are you most looking forward to seeing? Um, it's absolutely Ahsoka. Mm. Um, 
I do have an interest in seeing Bo-Katan because I feel that she would add an element to the story that could fill in um, that could that could that could fill in uh, the question over how did Gideon get the dark saber? Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't have, in my view, you can't have Bo-Katan without having Ahsoka, particularly after the final se- the last season of the Clone Wars, presumably the final season of the Clone Wars, when Ahsoka and Bo-Katan, you know, go off together. Well, no, that um, was these are my Rebels. Um, because oh yeah, was, yeah, yeah, forgive me, was Rebels. Was it Bo-Katan? No, it was uh, was it was Sabine. She can't did. Now I'm getting confused. No, it was when in the the last Bo Katan and okay, hold, hold, hold. so Clone Wars, the last season of Clone Wars, Ahsoka and Bo Katan. It's Rex. The last season Which, of Clone Wars, yeah, it's Rex. Yeah, but they went they went together to get Maul. Right. Her. No. Yeah. Yeah. And then Bo Katan. Um, yeah, because they they were going to basically free mandalore that was the see that was the first siege of mandalore so the republic you know denies you know the request to get involved so yeah uh they send you know a uh what do you call it a battalion rex's battalion and mm-hmm. ahsoka and bo katan bo katan stays on mandalore but we see we don't really learn her fate but we see um rex and ahsoka escape and then in rebels we you know we get Bogotan again because like you said Sabine Wren gives you know gives her the dark saber right but then the last scene in Rebels where we see Ahsoka is her coming right, back right 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 and, you okay know, right and then right, her right, and Sabine right. take off and, and presumably to search for uh, what's the little the little brat's name uh, the little annoying kid uh, uh, Ezra oh you're talking you know? about Ezra yeah presumably to search for Ezra so but your point still stands that's what we see we see um, her and uh, Ahsoka and Sabine Wren take off together. Yeah. Okay. So scratch part of what I said. Not all of it. No, so I am interested in 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 having in having Bo-Katan uh, be introduced, um, but I'm more interested in Ahsoka, um, mm. because in part because, well, I mean, hell, it's Ahsoka, um, but she is a Jedi. Um, she might be an asset to. Uh, to, to um, Mando on him learning more about Baby Yoda, and um, I don't know. It just I, I just think that I think that it's going to be a strong addition, mm-hmm. and because it's Rosario, and because she has television experience, because she has the experience with Luke Cage and Daredevil, you know, that she could do a really good job mm-hmm. uh, to season for uh, in season two. Very interesting, very interesting that you, that's your pick, because the very next question that we have is which new characters, or which new character are you least interested in seeing in season two? Mm-hmm. And guess what my answer is? Ahsoka? Ahsoka Tano. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> I know I've been through mine. I'm, it's Boba Fett for me, but go ahead. Well, Ahsoka Tano for me is le- my least interesting, only because I'm a, I'm a Ahsoka fan. Um, I was, you know, a lot, a lot of Star Wars fans did not like her original, um, introduction and the clone wars movie mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. i'm not one of those fans she never really annoyed me um but i think for a lot of fans throughout the clone wars series she became you know she she became a fan favorite um and everybody pretty much loves ahsoka and i'm one of those people um but i never you know i liked her from the start and i loved her you know the end clone Wars season seven which you just brought up 
um, her and Rex's last stand. I mean, love her, you know, um, mm-hmm. Rebels, grown up Ahsoka, love her, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see, or I shouldn't say I don't want to see, that's, that's strong. I don't think I want to see a live action version of Ahsoka, even mm-hmm. though I'm also a Rosario Dawson fan. But I feel that as a fan of animation, I've said this before on the show, I'm one of those mm-hmm. people who doesn't feel that live action legitimizes something. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. animation is fine if it's, and I feel like some things actually should stay animated. And this is one of those times where I'm not, I'm just not sure that I need to, that I want to see a live action Ahsoka. I'm worried that if it's, if it doesn't work, that it's going to kind of, mm, what's the term? Not mess up, not destroy, kind of, um, I don't even want to say lesson, but I'll just use that word for lack of a better term. I'm worried that it's going to lessen my appreciation for this character. Um, okay. If it doesn't work. So I'm very hopeful though. I should say I'm not, I'm not, you know, trying to be negative at all. I'm very hopeful that with, you know, again, the trust that we have in the creators on this show and the storytellers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with the trust that we have in Rosario of being a, a very, very, very talented actress. Um, I'm very hopeful that they're going to handle this correctly and it's going to work. But mm-hmm. I do have to say, if I had to name like my least, what I'm least interested in, it is seeing Ahsoka in live action. Mm-hmm. And okay, so yours, you said Boba Fett, that's your least interested. Yes. You just yes. don't need no no Boba, no, no, even even with all the storytelling that I mentioned a minute ago that could come with them, you, you feel like we could get it out a different way. I absolutely do. <laughs> Okay, uh, we won't spend too much time on that. I, I think, absolutely do. I, I wonder though. I'm gonna be curious, man. If we can get people online to some of our listeners to respond, I'll be very curious to see how people are feeling about Boba. Because, like I said, he's a he's a fan. You know, he's 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 one of those characters that kind of transcended a little bit mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. you know just you know didn't he's not just popular amongst the super fans. He's just popular mainly because he looks cool um, and his reputation. But well, okay. So moving on to the next question, um, I'll ask this one again. If you could include one character mm. from the original trilogy, so we're talking Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. If you could include one character from the original trilogy in season two of The Mandalorian, who would it be, and why? And of course, we're asking this because The Mandalorian takes place five five years after Battle of Endor, so these characters are still out there in their prime basically you know um most of them so who right. would you who would you pick from the original trilogy and why do you already have a pick i do have one you want me to go yeah please okay i'll go i'll go so i would pick <laughs> i want to say lando just because you know get the brother in there you know what i'm saying <laughs> let's get right let's get cal right. in there let's see do something that's to. never been done before <laughs> uh, right 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 and I do, you know what I do, Lando is my runner up and I, I'll say this, it would be interesting, not just because we're trying to get as many brothers and as brothers and sisters in there as possible. Uh-huh. Also because Lando went from, you know, what, uh, what, what was the, the po- scoundrel, that was the popular hustler. term, uh-huh. scoundrel, hustler mm-hmm. to, you know, ruler of uh cloud city, but still kind mm-hmm. of a scoundrel, you know, just on the side or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then to like a general of the rebellion. So where does he go from there? You know, saying is he still in the is he still part of the uh, the New Republic? Is he like you know a a politician now? That would that would be interesting to see where he's at. Um, And plus, if he did come back, um, I'm sure that Donald Glover would be playing him. You know, which would also be interesting. 
Um, but yeah, my number one pick, I would say, if I had to choose anybody, it would be Leia. And the reason being mm. because mm-hmm. Leia, I'm still negligent. I still haven't read the Bloodline book, um, which I think would answer a lot of questions. But I'm interested in seeing the formation of the New Republic after the after the battle with Empire mm-hmm. and the kind of tension between Leia and the New Republic. Which again, I think is is really I think is what that book, the blood uh, bloodline, dives into. But you got to think, man. This everybody finds out that she's the daughter of Darth Vader. You know, yeah. what I'm saying that's huge. You know, what I'm saying yeah. that's that's a that's a that's a blow. You know, yeah, you are one of the heroes of the rebellion, but your father was like one of the most terrible, you know, figures in the universe or in the galaxy for a long time. Um, so there's tension there, and I, again, I want to kind of see how with 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 mando's comment in that first episode where he or in that third episode where he disparages you know the new republic and kind of like you know again poo-poos on him i want to see how the new republic is regarded throughout the galaxy and what leia's how she regards the new republic what her role is you know and all that um because she's the politician and we learned in uh i think it was in uh the, the rise of skywalker that yeah she was trained she got trained by luke you know after a uh, return of the jedi she trains as a jedi but then at some point she chose not to follow that path and she you know chose to be a politician um so i kind of want to see mm-hmm. how that plays out and i think that would be very very cool mm-hmm. um and give us a lot again bringing that story into it so it's not just the character it's all that story that gets brought in to the mandalorian with her arrival so that's what i want to see so do you okay. do you have one or no? That's interesting. Um, I do have one. I mean, let me say I don't feel like I need to see any of these people. Really? In, I don't only because only because I think that it would take away from the story that is being told. I'm invested on learning about Din Jardin's mission. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And his conflict between wanting to adhere to the tenets of the Mandalorian way and also kind of being almost pulled in the, for lack of a better term, the ways of the world, you know, mm-hmm. um, how he really would have um, stayed with uh, Omira, mm-hmm. you know, were it not for because he was he was he really was peaceful i I believe that he could see himself settling down and and stopping all this mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um but not to not to diverge too too much but um but that uh, that's I, that's fair though I think what you're saying is fair you don't want to see that story pushed aside by bringing in too much essentially bringing in too much star wars right yeah yeah, and I think we're ready to i know I'm ready to move away from the skywalkers. And I think that the Skywalkers at this point, you know, are more of an institution than anything that it, they, you know, they just are. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have the room to let these other stories, you know, develop, you know, mm-hmm. on their own. But you did bring up, uh, you brought up a good point about Leia and talking about how we've already seen how the, the New Republic, there's not a lot of faith in anything really changing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they may be the victor, but what does that really matter? I mean, I still need to put food on, 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 on the table for my family. Right. Um, should have still hard. I think it would be, I think it would be interesting 
if we were to see, and this goes to the next question, but if we were to see Obi-Wan Kenobi, mm. um, then Jarden has already been to Tatooine once. Based on the trailer, he's going to go back there. Okay, he, but wait a minute. In this timeline, though, Obi is dead. This is five years after. This timeline's <laughs> killing me, man. It's a lot. It, it is, you know what? Between to be to be fair and it, honestly, if you look at if you're somebody who watches Clone Wars, Rebels, Mandalorian, and you know you got the original trilogy in your mind, you got the upcoming Obi Wan Kenobi series in your mind. It's a lot to keep up with. It's so, a lot to keep up yeah, with. So Isaac. This, at the place that we're at, we're at five years after Jedi or uh, yeah, the Battle of Endor. Um, so the only Obi-Wan he going to be seeing is Force Ghost Obi. <laughs> which is <laughs> which possible. Only is, which is actually. only showing up if Force Ghost Obi shows up and is like, you know, this child is the future of the Force, you know, or something like that. You know, it's like that's that's the only way he's showing up. Um, but it would be, I'll I, I give you this though really quickly. I know we got to move on, but with the Obi-Wan Kenobi series coming up, which obviously is going to take place in terms of timeline before Mandalorian. Is there anything that they may want to like any Easter eggs or something they may want to throw into the Mandalorian to get people excited about the Obi-Wan Kenobi series? Um, it was, you remember in season one, there was, you know, I don't know if you would call it a rumor, more so a, a desire that when we were getting those flashbacks in Mandalorian, we knew somebody rescued him you know, as a mm-hmm. child, mm-hmm. but they didn't show who rescued him until episode eight. And of course it was the actual Mandalorians. There was a moment was like, Ooh, what if it was Obi-Wan Kenobi? You know, yeah. like, what if it was the Jedi? And then you see Ewan McGregor, you know, show up and mm-hmm. he's the one that saved um, the Mandalorian. Of course that didn't necessarily work out in terms of timeline either, but it was interesting because it would have gave us a little bit of, you know, um, anticipation, you know, to see Ewan, Ewan McGregor, you know, take over in the series so i'll give you that that's I, i'll still i still like that i still like that pick that takes that does take us into the next question which is mm-hmm. do you need to see a jedi in season two and if so do you think season two needs you know a lightsaber battle and i know that we talked about this even i think even to the preview of the mandalorian what we were wanting and not wanting to see we talked about do we need to see a lightsaber mm-hmm. um and i think if i can edit my pick that if it was you know force ghost obi-wan because and you know the trailer you get the impression that you're seeing a jedi because you have the voiceover of the armorer and you see the visual of of a woman in a in jedi a robe cloak. yeah in a jedi yeah. robe yeah mm-hmm. um i would i wonder if Master Kenobi is revered in the same way that Yoda is revered. You know mm-hmm. how in movies, in you know, like in the in the you know in the, in the I don't know what do you call nine films, three trilogies? Like what do you <laughs> right. call that? <laughs> uh, trilogies, yeah, right. In you. the nanette of it all, mm-hmm. you right. know, you've heard you've heard references to you know previous masters. Mm-hmm. you know, who are no longer physically there. Um, Kenobi could be one of those, one of those masters mm-hmm. um, that these Jedis that we would presumably see 
you know, would either actively or inactively, you know, sort of beholden to, you know, it's not just Yoda, but, you know, you've got Kenobi. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I, I don't know if I, I want to think that the tie in to Tatooine is more than just an Easter egg or nostalgia or, you know, for sake of putting a nod to the original films, that it does become part of the story in um, introducing, you know, Jedi. Mm. Um, but do you need do you need that though? Do you need to see? I think you need to see a Jedi, and the reason is because you have the child, which which means you have the Force, and the Armorer has already talked about the sorcerers that are the Jedi. Mm. That Din Jardin right now walking around, like Din Jardin walking around, knows or at least presumes two things. One, that the Jedi are his enemy. And two, that Gideon is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and because Gideon, who is not dead, has the Darksaber, which has a tie-in to lightsabers, which has a tie-in to Jedi, yeah, you, right. you, you just have to have it. You, you've got you've to have... So you feel like, yeah, bringing in the dark sand was almost like that you opened up Pandora's box right there. So now uh-huh. we have to get into all of it. Mm, okay. So, and then, so obviously then you, if you feel like there needs to be Jedi, do you think there needs to be a lightsaber battle? Do you need that as well? I don't think we need to, I don't think there needs to be a light. I don't think there needs to be a lightsaber battle. Mm. I think that, um, I'll say this though. I think you're going to see one. Hmm. Okay, so my answer to this question originally, as I'm looking down at my answers that I wrote down, was no and no. Like, no, I don't need a Jedi, mm-hmm. and no, I don't need a lightsaber battle. But I have to say, you kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, you kind of changed, or at least made me look at it in a different way. Because I think, hmm, I'm a little torn. Because I, I just kind of to echo what we said earlier, I definitely don't want to see anything overshadow the story that was laid out for us in season one. Mm hmm. But at the same time, what you said kind of made me look at it differently because the story that was laid in, out in episode, or, uh, season one is, you know, in the context, especially with the child, is a, if not a Jedi story, it's a force story. You know, it's yeah. leading us into that area because yeah. this is a not just a force sensitive child. This is a force wielding child. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering if we follow that story path, we follow that narrative, then eventually, yeah, it's going to lead to either other Jedi or, you know, at this point, how many of them are out there? We don't know. It's going to lead to something. I guess I kind of answered my own question. Do I need to see Jedi? No, but I do think that it would be cool to see something more force related. If that makes sense, you know, it does. I mean, Mando needs information. Like I was just saying, he knows two things, or he's presuming two things: that the Jedi are his enemy, and that and that and that Gideon, you know, is dead. Um, but he doesn't even know; he doesn't know where to start to look for Yoda's people. I mean, baby Yoda's people, right? But it's almost—I kind of understand like why you want to bring Ahsoka into this because Ahsoka definitely knows what's up with that dark saber she may not know anything about gideon but she definitely knows what's up with the dark saber she definitely knows what's up with baby yoda mm-hmm. she definitely knows what's up about the force and, right. and she's she not she's yeah. not a jedi per se but she knows she knows about them she knows everything about them that's right yeah. 
That's right. Um, yeah, I'm gonna. I guess for me, I would say, okay, do I need to see a Jedi in season two? I think my answer is still no. But I'm guess. I think now after talking about this with you, I'm less. I have a. I have, I have a. A lesser amount of resistance to that idea because at first mm-hmm. I was like, no, I don't want to see Jedi, I don't want lightsaber, I don't want any of that. You know, mm-hmm. I want to keep mm-hmm. it the way it is, and we'll. But now, if in episode um, eight, or I don't know if this ep- this season is eight episodes again, or maybe it's ten, I'm not sure. But in the final episode of this season, if there is a definitive, you know, somebody lighting up a lightsaber, and it's like, oh shit, they really mm-hmm. do exist, and you know, whatever, whatever happens because of that. If again, if it's handled correctly, I think I'd be fine with it. Um, yeah. As long as it's handled correctly and it doesn't, I just don't want this to become like you said. This doesn't need to be a Skywalker show. I don't want this to become the you know a Jedi show. I'm the fine Jedi with it becoming show. a Force. Something about the Force. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't want to get into the whole Jedi and Luke Skywalker train has an academy someplace and oh, mm-hmm. there's this thing called the First mm-hmm. Order and you know there's this kid, uh, whatever the hell Adam Driver's character was named. See, I've wiped all that out of my memory. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Mm-hmm. Um, Kylo, ben, Kylo, ben, yeah, you know, Kenobi, he burnt down ben, the, you know, the temple, or I, you know, I don't, I don't need all that. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Right, it's like, right, let's, right. let's stay in the outer rim. Let's keep this a gunslinger slash samurai show. Let's deal with all that. Can I make a prediction? Yeah, absolutely. I predict that the introduction of Jedi slash lightsaber is when, shoot, Jedi slash lightsaber slash Ahsoka is when Ahsoka shows up to basically save Mando's life mm-hmm. by killing somebody or blocking something with the lightsaber and, <laughs> and, and you know. The camera pans. Camera pans and she smooths it all over to let him know that hey i'm not your enemy plus i'm not really a jedi but i can tell you all about it i think mm-hmm. that's all they think they're gonna wrap all that up in like a ball and that's gonna be like the end of an episode <laughs> yeah and you know what I'm, I'm talking a lot of shit but i basically i'll probably be like everybody else if something like that happens i'll probably lose my mind like oh shit. you know so i'll probably be with everybody else like mad excited so I'm preparing myself for that. Okay, so all right, um, let's. You know what? We're running short on time, so let's go through these next ones fairly quickly. Um, who do you predict? We already touched on this a little bit, but who yeah. do you predict will hold the dark saber by the end of season two? The child. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm little itty bitty. Well, you got three fingers, I think. Little itty yeah. bitty hands. He gonna he gonna be wielding the dark saber around, and probably he probably he might take out grief for that little joke he cracked in season one. Um, okay, so seriously, that's your pick though. The child who, who is no, that your real no, pick? No, no, okay, who's no, your pick? No. My real pick is I, I think I think Mando's gonna gonna be left standing with it. I think he's mm-hmm. gonna have it. Mm-hmm. If I had to pick, I'm gonna say I'm gonna be a little controversial. I'm gonna say nobody. I think it may. I think. Mm. obviously moth has it now i think if something happens because really it's a question of it, are they going to kill off moth in this this season moth gideon in the season and i think he's he, he has such a great response to season one he may be one of those villains that they say you know we need to keep this dude you know he's a great villain. but i'm thinking don't you need you need don't you need to keep presuming that there's plans or you know or treatment for a third season don't mm-hmm. you need to keep gideon because you need that you need a vader you need that well, element. It depends on it depends on and this is a whole nother conversation, but it depends on what Gideon represents. You know, what is the actual state of the Empire right now? Does he have 
a whole bunch of TIE fighters or does this cat have a Star Destroyer someplace? You know what I'm saying? And if yeah. he has a Star Destroyer, then maybe it's not just him. Maybe there's other governors. Maybe there's somebody even worse than him, you mm-hmm. know, out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't even got into what did they actually want the child for? You know, who is, mm-hmm. is it just Gideon that wants a child? Is it because he, he thinks that, you know, he can get control of these force powers somehow and use it for his own purposes. Mm-hmm. Is there somebody else who ordered Gideon to go after him? You know what I'm saying? It's like, there's always the potential for another quote unquote big bad, you know, to be out there. So, but as far as the dark saber is concerned, I could see them maybe capturing Gideon or separating Gideon from the dark saber. And then, you know, the dark saber becomes a quest, you know, in season three to return, mm-hmm. you know, to, to find the dark saber. Mm-hmm. So I guess my real answer is, I don't know, but if I had it my way, I'll probably say no one. Um, just because I think everybody's going to think what, what you just said. I think everybody's going to grow with that, that it would be Mando. All right. Next question. Will we find out? And, and maybe should we find out? should be the real question. What race the child and by proxy Yoda um, are, right. are we? Are we know that you know Mando's on a quest to find the uh, the child's people. Um, mm-hmm. So, do you think that Filon- or uh, Favreau and Filoni are going to go against what Lucas said years ago that we would never find out what Yoda's race is? Do you think they are going to do that, and do you think they should do that in this season? No, I don't. I don't think we're ever going to find out. I don't think we're ever going to find out what race uh, Yoda is. Um, what I do think, well, I don't know if they do that in television. Here's what I, I, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they'll find out. I don't think Mm. they'll find out. If anything, if anything, it would be that Yoda and that entire race is, is like Bindu in Star Wars Rebels where, Mm. It's a Love it's a manifest it's a manifestation a physical manifestation of the force mm. hmm. that there is no parentage that there are just there that you know I, I don't know be they collisions or you know what I'm saying <laughs> well, convergences or something like well. that <laughs> you know and then boop here's Yoda right right um, I would say. I agree with you. I don't think we want to find out and I don't think we should. I think that mystery, I don't think all everything needs to be answered. And I like the mystery of not knowing, you know, Yoda's race and mm-hmm. by proxy again, the child's race. Um, I don't think that's something because it's not, it's not a mystery that has huge to me. It doesn't have huge ramifications on anything. You know, it's like, no, Oh, he's right. We find out he's a, you know, uh Wuba. You know, and the Wubas are to live on this, you know, Wubaku or something. You know, who gives mm-hmm, a fuck? You mm-hmm, know what I'm saying? It's like that really doesn't mm-hmm. impact anything mm-hmm. that the storytelling, unless they're going to make it impacted, like you just said, if they become living embodiments of the Force. But to me, I like Bendu. Like, I like his type of character being that, which, by the way, let's bring back Bendu. You know what I'm saying? That's, <laughs> right. a, that's a cat. You know, where was he at? Where was he at when Vader was like, you know, when the Emperor was acting up? You know, because uh-huh. Bendu would handle that real quick, you know. <laughs> Um, where was he at? So yeah, uh-huh. Bendu, what, what you doing? Um, <laughs> right. So right. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I don't think we need to know that the question about Yoda's uh, child and Yoda Yoda's race. All right, last one. This is a good one. Um, if season two is even better than season one, would you be satisfied with Star Wars remaining strictly Disney Plus, meaning the franchise would not return to the theaters for the foreseeable future? Hmm. Yes. I mean, I've said this, I've said this before on the show. 
I don't need to go to a theater to see another Star Wars film. Mm. And I didn't always feel like that. But after, I'm going to tell you, man, after that last one, after that Rise of Skywalker, I'm good. I don't need to see another film. Unless 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 they got a somebody's got another Rogue One. In that pocket. I'm, I'm glad you said that though, because I was just about to say that. What if? Because Rogue One was, I think, in both of our opinions, Rogue One was the best um, film since the original trilogy, right? I think that's both of our opinions. Yeah, it's my um, favorite after Empire. After after oh okay wow okay okay so but it's it's definitely then the best of the 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 new batch. Mm-hmm. Um, but still that doesn't, that doesn't assuage, you know, the, I don't want to say injury, <laughs> the hurt feelings or whatever, you know, from the prequel, yeah. the uh, sequel trilogy for you. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. You're good. Um, I think, I think I agree with you. I'm not as, I don't think I'm as, as hard line as you are as in terms of, you know, not seeing, you know, again, for the foreseeable future, not seeing Star Wars return to the theater. Um, mm-hmm. I'm perfectly OK with them returning to the theater as long as they actually feel like they have a story that needs to be told, not just to fulfill, you know, um, the financial aspect of it, which I, I perfectly, you know, I respect. Obviously, a lot of money goes into these films yeah. They make a lot of money. It makes sense that if you're in the business of making movies, um, you're going to want to put a Star Wars film in the theater at some point. But at the same time, I feel like there needs to be a story that is that warrants that, you know, there needs to be a reason to do it. Mm-hmm. And until that happens, if this season of The Mandalorian is as good as or better than the first, I'm perfectly OK with this. Just, you know, let's continue the whole Star Wars storytelling within Disney Plus, meaning we continue with Mando season three. We get Obi, you know, the Obi-Wan series. We get um, the next. We get. We got the Bad Batch, Arthur. We haven't even talked about that. The oh Bad Batch right, coming, yeah. You know, Twenty twenty one. We maybe get a. Maybe we'll get a series focusing on Ahsoka and Sabine Wren after Rebels, um, and whatever else they come up with. I'm. I'm. I'm perfectly okay with that, and I think that that is the way. You know, we've said it on the show before that you know television may be the future of Star Wars. And I, you know, obviously in our current climate, that's all they can do. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. even moving past this, you know, a year, two years, three years down the road, are they going to stick with their schedule that they have now? I think the next Star Wars movie is slated for 2022 or 2023. Um, and you remember before the pandemic, the big news was Kevin Feige, you know, coming yeah. on board to produce a Star Wars mm-hmm. film. Um, so it'll be, it remains to be seen though, if those things happen, but for the purposes of this, of this question, we're in the same boat or, you know, we're on the same page. I, I'm mm-hmm. completely fine with this staying on Disney plus AKA television, uh, instead of becoming, you know, returning to the theater, as long as the storytelling is as good as we've gotten so far or even better. Cause listen, man, you know, we talked about it before season that, that season or series finale of the clone wars was some of the best star Wars ever, mm-hmm. ever, you know, mm-hmm. the final scenes, um, you know, the, with, with, uh, Ahsoka and Rex and then with Vader at the end, um, some of the best star Wars tell- storytelling ever. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. Absolutely. So, all right, this has been fun, man. So this, I'm, I'm now I'm even more excited for season two than I was before, which is which is kind of hard to say because I was already geek, but now I'm even yeah. I'm even more excited. Yeah. So we got it's gonna be good. Month. It's gonna be good television. 
a month to wait, um, but I'm, I'm excited. So this is a full lid on episode 27 of Mad Unreal. Reach out to us via Twitter. Use the hashtag Mad Unreal. Um, we want to know what your feelings are be, uh, uh, behind the trailer, behind the Mandalorian trailer, what your thoughts are about the upcoming season two. Uh, if you agree or disagree with any one of the uh, 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 of the questions that we asked um, so we can get a dialogue going and uh, we will be taking a hiatus um, f- through most of October. We'll be back at the end of October uh, with the continuation of 007 and counting our special countdown to no time to die, which is going to be released in November. Hell, if I know how I'm going to see that damn film, cause I'm supposed to have to go to a theater to see it, <laughs> right. but we'll find out right, about least, that. That will be interesting. Right. At least though on the 30th, we're going to give you guys though, it'll be like the penultimate episode of our, of that 007 counting series. So it'll be, our deep dive on um, Spectre. Um, so you'll get that on Octo- October 30th. The film, then No Time to Die drops. Um, at this point, we should always, you know, major asterisk, always a major asterisk next to right. it. But at this point, um, at the time of this recording, yeah, No Time to Die drops November 25th in the States. Um, and then, you know, the, the final episode of 007 and Counting will focus on a review of No Time to Die. So mm-hmm. we'll be back on bottom line. We'll be back on October 30th. And then we come back with a new main show in early November. So um, you guys will have to do without us for a few weeks. But there's a huge back catalog. Well, not a huge one. 20 something shows back catalog that you can listen to. And, of course, um, dive into your, your your bond with the 007 and Counting episodes that we've already completed. All right. See you next show. Peace. Keep it going.